Women have played a vital role in the development of the telecommunications industry from the birth of the telegraph and telephone in the 19th century right up to digital transformation of today. Women in Cable Telecommunications, also known as WICT, is a network of women across the globe dedicated to building and creating a diverse and innovative industry. As we enter 2020, WICT has more than 10,000 members across the globe. My name is Kooster Vore and you're listening to the podcast of the Women in Cable Telecommunications Network. Today brought to you from Amsterdam and because the year draws to a close, it's time to think about your career goals and steps you can take to build or strengthen your personal brand. Cindy Mirvis and Julia Hart are both business partners. They are the founders of Get Connected, a company that connects you to professional coaches that help you know and grow yourself so you can shine at work. In Amsterdam, they gave a workshop for WICT to help develop career goals and gather personal insights. They talked about identity, leadership and practical tips and tricks to develop career goals for the upcoming year. And in order to develop these goals, two strange words came up. Ikigai and BHAG. BHAG. <laughs> what is BHAG? BHAG. Uh, BHAG is your big, hairy, audacious goal. Right. Um, and it's something that uh, that comes usually from deep within. Uh, so something you're passionate about, uh, something you really care for, uh, ideally you're good at. Um, and uh, it's a longer-term thing. So it's not right. something that you will establish in a year. Um, it's like far out in uh, in the future, uh, but it can help you making uh, certain decisions or steps uh, and prioritizing what do I do, what do I not do related to your career. It's like your North Star. Ikigai. It's four circles. Yeah, and, it's uh, a sweet, sweet spot, it's right? It's a sweet spot in the middle. Um, right. And it does not necessarily mean that you need to be in the middle, uh, but it helps you to reflect on how you can look at uh, your relationship with work uh, because we all work uh, ideally we get paid for the work that we do and we're good at the work that we do um, and uh, even better if you're passionate about the right. work that you do and you might be very passionate about uh, things that are uh, playing in the world uh, like big challenges and you contribute to that if you have all of those for you in the in the sweet spot but you can also decide uh, I want to be good at certain things and I will develop my career in order to become great at uh, at a certain func- functional area um, and I'm paid for it and I'm fine to be there. Is that a lot to ask or uh, is it possible? It's possible to become very good at something right. and hopefully you, you get paid for doing that. Is it possible in a, uh, in a job when you work for an employer or is it only possible as an entrepreneur? Uh, no, it's both. Yeah, we'll I talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Let's first talk about identity because we talked about uh, you touched many different topics today: identity, leadership, and setting goals for 2020, the next, uh, the upcoming year. Uh, first, let's talk about identity because, uh, Cindy, you, you you challenged the audience to think about how you show up at work and about how you are perceived by by colleagues. So, um, why do you have to think about that? Um. Because the way we work is that you work in teams and uh, you you seldomly work on your own. Obviously, some people work more by themselves than others, but you do relate to other people. So it is important that you are aware how you come across. Uh, and uh, is that in line with how you think of yourself? 
So what is the image that you have of yourself, of your identity? And do you actually show that in the environment that you work with? Uh, and if there is a mismatch potentially, uh, that might tell you something, uh, and then you can decide to do something about it or not. Yeah. And uh, how do you actually know how you are perceived by people? By asking. You just yes. have to ask. You just have to ask. And some people, they care for you and they just tell you. Right. And like, hey, you're really good at that. Eh? You're, you have shiny eyes. Eh? So right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a compliment. Right. Eh? You, you sometimes get a free, free feedback. Yeah, but isn't it hard that if you if you ask people feedback and they say this and that and you don't agree with it, what are you, what are you going to do? You always have a decision to do something with it or not. Eh? And instinctively, uh, a lot of the times when we don't agree with it, we will categorize it as, as it is wrong. Uh, it doesn't fit with what I think of myself. But sometimes there is some truth in it, and it it actually. Uh, is good that you investigate it a little bit. Uh, and you might uh, uncover things about yourself uh, that you want to do differently. Uh, or that uh, you've never known, like a blind spot. Uh, and you are thankful of, of people giving that back to you. Yeah. You also said you especially have to ask the people you don't get along with. Yes. Why is that? Because they will look at your blind spots. Uh, and it's not that uh, they will give you negative feedback uh, in order to offend you, because if you genuinely ask, then you will likely get a genuine response uh, back. To ask someone you don't like for feedback, I asked the members of the network if they are planning to do that. I, well, I thought that was fascinating, actually, but um, personally, I feel a bit queasy about askings. <laughs> I have a person in mind and the idea of asking them for feedback doesn't fill me with um, confidence. I think because I don't particularly respect them, I won't even respect their feedback. I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think in theory, fantastic, but I'm not sure I'll actually do it. Maybe I'll ask my kids. And you? You're going to ask some feedback to, uh, from people well, who don't like? Well, it's funny that you're asking this because I've already done so. Oh, really? Uh, Today? Yes. Uh, no, uh, I did it uh, in the last month okay. uh, from, uh, yeah, also some people that uh, I sometimes feel I, I struggle with. They actually came with some good feedback. Uh, some of them, of course, with feedback, you think, yeah, it's uh, because of the culture difference, I guess, that uh, that you give me this feedback. Um, so, yeah. I but but then um, it, this makes it easier to understand how they approach you, yeah. right? Yeah. No, totally, totally. Yeah. And I get that. And now I, I know that I can act upon it. Um, however, uh, it's still some. Sometimes it's hard to, well, agree with it. But if they feel it's like that, then it's their perception, and maybe I can change that perception. Also, uh, a very big factor in how you are perceived is language. You talked about yes. that, Julia. Yeah. Why, why is, is that so important? Because you can think you're projecting a certain image about yourself to people at work, but you can actually be undermining yourself in the way you talk uh, in the way you show up in meetings in certain situations. So it's always really important to think about what it is you're saying and the language you're using. Well, we saw in the in the session itself, we shared a video um, in which um, a, a lady, a coach from America who studied this a lot was giving some examples. And it's often things we're not aware of it's things like using the word actually right. I actually disagree with you and already they actually are softening your message which is basically I think you're wrong and I don't agree um, other things we use um, and it's often a, a female trait more so than a male but often things we say is listen you know I don't know I'm not the expert like you guys are but shouldn't we be thinking about this and in that 
I'm not the expert like you guys are. You've already said, listen, ignore what I'm saying because I don't know what I'm talking about. So in in order to come across as being likable, friendly, um, not overly aggressive, we can use language actually makes us look like we don't know what we're talking about. But this is also a very like polite way to speak. Yep. So should you just like get rid of that and, and, and be more... Uh, persistent and more aggressive in the way you talk? I don't think it's about being more aggressive. I think it's about not undermining yourself. So me saying to you, I don't agree with you, um, is no less um, friendly than saying, I actually don't agree with you. Um, and I think, so it's not about being assertive or not. It's about making sure that you make your own opinion well understood. You also mentioned uh, a toolbox you can use yep. for these kind of situations. What yep. do you mean by that? So when you go into, what I was uh, challenging the, the audience to do is to think about when they go into meetings and situations where they may language, their own language might be a problem for them, is to think beforehand, you know, if I do this, what are the options? What can I use in this situation to stop myself doing this? Um, I also challenge them to think about, if you go into a meeting, think about where, what you want to get out of it. And we talked about it being a bit like a game of chess and you want to get to chess mate. So before you start playing, you've already got an idea of the chess moves you're going to make. And it's the same in meetings. If you know where you want a meeting to go, think about some of the steps you can take to get you there. Cindy, do you also have these like sentences you <laughs> you use again and again and you're you're not really uh, proud of? Yeah, I think what what I tend to do is to use uh, and I don't know actually what it's in English, but uh, for klein worden. Oh, you make words smaller. Smaller, right. yes, yeah. and saying uh, and like it's not. Um, what is a good example? Yeah, I I had an example with uh, with a discussion with an entrepreneur. She has an office. Um, and uh, I said, yeah, I, I, I do not want an office. But in Dutch, I actually said, uh, I, I do, uh, ik wil geen bedrijfje. Oh. Uh, instead little of, company. Yeah, instead I, of company. I want a little company. Yeah. And she said, no, you should <laughs> never say you want a little company. Uh, you want a company. And it's like, oh, yes. Yeah. And I wasn't even aware of it uh, that I was saying that. You also talked about leadership. And you, Julia, you said there, there's a difference between being a leader and being a manager. What's the big difference? I think the big difference about being a, a leader is that you're slightly more distant from the people than if you're a manager. If you're a manager, it's your day-to-day -day business to make sure that the team runs properly and that everybody who works around you is operating in the, the right way to get the team goals fulfilled. And as a leader, you've got a much more uh, a longer-term vision, slightly more distance, um, and you have to rely on other people to get the work done while you keep that kind of strategic point on the horizon in focus and you move everybody towards it. So if, if you're a manager, uh, that's that's the uh, the title of your profession. So how, how do you become a leader instead of being the one who tells people what to do? I think, well, there are two two answers to that. I mean, a, a leader, you can grow as you go up the, the, the career ladder. So as you take higher steps, you can move away from management and towards leadership. But I also think a manager can be a leader as well. Um, and they can adopt personality traits or they can adopt tactics which allow them to be, you know, have this dot on the horizon. And we talked in the session about, you know, leaders tend to have a number of things in common and, and things like charisma, things like, um, you know, having a vision, um, being able to um, um, get people around them and believing in what they're doing. These are all things that a leader can do. And managers can be both a manager and a leader as well. Cindy, you, you worked at a chemical company back in the days. So did you have the feeling you had the, the space to be a leader over there? I probably was not aware even. No, I, I don't think so. I became aware uh, uh, after I left the company and I was in a leadership position. Um, uh, I also must say that I've never really learned in any program how to become a leader. 
Uh, I think my experience is you just go out there, you try. Obviously, you learn management tricks, yeah, but that is different. Yeah? How do you lead people? How do you set goals? How do you follow up on them? How do you take corrective action? You, you can learn that. But I think leadership you learn by just being out there and trying things out and then see how the response is. And if you don't get a response, then adapt it. Uh, and the feedback that I got was uh, in, in my previous uh, position is that people said, yeah, but you are a leader. And I said, but why, why am I a leader? Yeah, tell me what I'm doing then that makes me a leader and not a manager. Obviously, I was also still a manager. Um, and they said, yeah, but you, you have this vision and uh, you believe in it and you stand for it. So that is more about values. Uh, and then you need to know what it is that you value because then you can actually share that with the people that you lead. So what are the first steps you can take to actually become a leader? Um, what I did uh, at the time is is starting to talk about my values uh, because I think you need to have a connection with people in order for them to follow you. Uh, and that is more relationship than it is task or goal or whatever. I think you also need to do that because you are still managing people. But for a leader, it is more about who you are. Uh, do you know what values you have? Do you know what stress, eh, when you are in stress, what, what does that do to you? Uh, are you open about it? Uh, and how do you relate to people? Uh, and I think you can learn that by trying it. Eh? So when you are with groups of people, uh, start sharing what it is that, uh, that you're passionate about, what it is that you believe in, what do you want to achieve? And then invite people um, to go along with you. Eh? Do you. Do you want to help me? Let's talk about uh, Ikigai and, and BHAG again. So, <laughs> again, can you explain the concept of Ikigai? So it's four different things you, you have to accomplish to in order to, to get to the sweet spot in which you're perfectly happy with your, with your job or your profession or your career. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, you don't necessarily need to have all four, but I think it helps you to be aware of where you are today. Uh, at least it helped me uh, because I had something that was I couldn't really put my finger on, but uh, I was was not necessarily happy with it, and I didn't know what it was. And it helped me to sort of assess: okay, I am doing a job that I'm good at, I'm getting paid for it, but I miss a little bit of passion. Uh, so why is that? Um, uh, for some reason, over the course of the years that I've been working for multinationals, I find it important what social impact uh, the company has. I didn't find it important 20 years ago or maybe less so but now I do um, and I want to do something with it so that that guides me to, to take different decisions yeah it's, it's interesting because someone uh, said okay I don't really care about the world well, what the world needs <laughs> so give me money and yes. I'm good at what I do and I, I love my job and that's enough that's fine because I've, I've also been there for 20 years eh? and I also wanted to build a career and I wanted to earn money and then at some point in time, I thought, yeah, but this is not it. Yeah. Julia, are you at your uh, ikigai spot right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I, well, I started off by saying I, I have a bit of a portfolio career. So I have a job in corporate at the moment, but I coach. I'm part of the startup that Cindy and I, and I'm also published author. Um, and for me, my ikigai lies in having all of those things in my life and managing them all and, and, and getting energy from all of them. So, yes. Yeah. And you? Are you there? I'm I'm moving there. Yes. I'm moving into doing more things that I'm passionate about, so that is being an entrepreneur. 
because then you have the freedom and the opportunity to engage whatever you want to engage with, or at least that's how I feel it. Uh, and I'm more passionate about uh, wanting to have an impact in the world. Um, and whether that is the plastic thing uh, to which I contribute uh, yeah. uh, indirectly. This is your BHAG, right? This That's is your, my your, big hack. your big, hairy, audacious goal. Yes. And uh, yeah, I want to inspire young people to uh, to really reshape uh, how we show up at work. Yeah. What's your BHAG, uh, Julia? Well, similar to Cindy, I think, and, and not surprising when you think about the fact we're running a business together. But mine is also to um, change traditional bit crusty corporate cultures from within and and my role in that is to help other people to do it so whether it's as a coach whether it's through get connected um that's what i want to do be hack your big audacious hairy goal what's yours i always thought that they're uh, trying to get ideas about what your big goal is has to be that you have to have like a position in mind uh, and I think what the th- what they were saying is not it's not so much a position like you not have to be like I'm going to be the president uh, you know of the world. <laughs> but what I thought was interesting about that it was not not necessarily that you have to maybe dr- drastically change your career, but if if you recognize that there's something that is very important to you in in in, in the values that you have, you can even implement that in 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 the life that you already in the position that you already have. It's just about thinking from a different perspective. I think. So I want to uh, reach out to people that works for a company, uh, take them out, do good for the society, and then come back and share that good feeling, right, of being happy and giving back uh, with your colleagues, basically. So kind of uh, volunteer work and CSR more-ish, because now I'm operational, so it's completely different. Do you want to know more about WICT or become part of the network? Please check the website, that's wicteurope.com. And don't forget to follow Wicked on Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn for the latest news and events. Thanks for listening.